It's the show the establishment warned you about. Welcome back to the Dr. Tommy Show. I'm your host, Dr. Tommy McElroy, broadcasting from the free state of Florida in Echelon Health Studios. We're glad you're here. Packed show today, as always. We'll try to get through it all, including your favorite president, Joe Biden, and his uh, eventful trip to the uh, land of Europe, where he was led around by a lot of the European leaders, much like you would lead around a, a senile a relative at a family function. And also we'll talk some about the Hollywood strike now has extended from writers to actors. And soon we will have no more Hollywood uh, productions to uh, go over, which is a good thing. Also, I wanted to talk about uh, this transgender surgeon on Twitter who was admitting to doing these mutilations on children. What a sick son of a bitch he is. And also some about um, just some updates in general about the uh, general what's going on out there. Um, so Joe Biden went over to Europe and oh boy, he, he really put on a display uh, full, full on uh, uh, lack of cognitive ability display, including shuffling uh, using notes to meet people that he, he probably should be able to just talk to without having notes. And I just wanted to show you a clip. This is Joe Biden. Uh, this is from, the Gateway Pundit and Mr. Biden here is talking to the Turkish President Erdogan. And here's what he had to do. He had to have notes in order just to say the simple thing to uh, the president. If you're not watching, he's sitting here uh, with these other group of people and just listen to what he has to say. Mr. President, it's good to see you again. Delight to be with you. And, uh, you know, we're in this historic summit meeting. Resolving a lot of things, I hope. And, uh, this whole time he's looking down at these notes. Completely, completely easily seen that the whole room is looking at him, including this Anthony Blinken that's right next to him. Who's the guy who was in charge of sending out the uh, memo to the um, to the FBI uh, Hoover's boys and all the uh, uh, people who signed the letter saying this is Russian disinformation, this laptop. He's over here sitting looking over so lovingly at his uh, goofball uh, boss, Joe Biden, talk. We made, uh, we made uh, all the more historic by the agreement you reached yesterday in the addition of Sweden and how you're going to proceed. I want to thank you for your diplomacy and your courage to take that on. And uh, I want to thank you for your leadership, uh, Mr. President. The summit is... Uh, He's staring straight at notes, reading directly off of these note cards. It is... Almost unbelievable. If you were to see this and say this is the president of the United States and uh, and and it was anything other than Joe Biden and anything other than this Praetorian Guard media, there were to be immediate calls for a full assessment of his cognitive abilities and ask why in the world is it that this guy can't say simple, uh, just very basic stuff to this other head of state without reading completely off the note cards. Reaffirming our commitment to NATO defense, close allies in NATO, and I uh, hope we can make it even stronger. So welcome. There you go. That's the president. Here he is. This is a. He went to go do this uh, review of the the Buckingham Palace guards, and here he is. So he's walking around with King Charles, who's about the same age as him. Charles is a little bit younger, but anyway, it looks like. Charles is leading him around like you would, like I said, lead around your your aged, aged great grandfather at a uh, at some family event. This is uh, 
Again, from Gateway Pundit. And if you're not... How to escape the whoa. heat if you don't have an air conditioner. You watch this ad first. So here he is. Joe Biden's sitting there looking at this guard. This guard is... You know, the guards are not supposed to do anything. They're just supposed to stand there. Joe Biden tries to engage the guy in conversation. Meanwhile, Charles is over here uh, just waving him. He's like, hey, come over this way. Come this way. And here he is, putting his arm around Charles. You're not supposed to do that either, apparently. So that's that's Joe Biden and his little trip to Europe. And so congratulations, uh, America. This is your president. And this is, like I said, if this was... Anybody other than Joe Biden and the Praetorian Guard media, then you would be hearing calls for resignation or at least calls for the 25th Amendment or calls for immediate cognitive assessment of this guy. But instead, all we get told is, oh, Joe Biden, Chris Wallace, not Chris Wallace, Chris Matthews, they drug him out of some bar somewhere to ask him what he thought about it. And he said that uh, a Biden is so amazing, he's conducting himself like he's FDR Eisenhower on the world stage. And he was just shivers going down his legs just like the same way he used to get when he used to uh, see Barack Obama talk this is another thing this is a from uh, Breitbart this is a surgeon admits to performing transsexual surgeries on young children so we're told you know this doesn't happen it's it's just this is right-wing conspiracy people aren't out there having surgery they're just out there exploring whether or not there's gender dysphoria in these children and you know, giving them some hormonal treatment, maybe maybe a few puberty blockers here or there. Well, here's this guy. He's a university surgeon at University Health and Science University, and uh, his name is Blair Peters. He's a self-described queer surgeon, and he has been performing these surgeries on people. And he goes on to talk about how it is painful for these young children who he has removed the penis of to dilate their quote-unquote neo-vagina, which is what they call this hole that they put in these poor children after they remove their penis. And I just want to read some of this stuff that they say in this. It's truly gut, gut turning. And it's, it's, it's sick what we are allowing, not only allowing people to do, but not even putting them in prison. This guy should be put in prison for child abuse. It says, uh, a pro transgender university surgeon say he is performing irreversible sex surgeries on prepubescent children who had no experiences of sexual feelings and little ability, consent, or accomplish the required post-surgical procedures. It's a very complicated issue, Dr. Blair Peters, a Canadian-trained queer surgeon at Oregon Health and Science University, told a friendly interviewer. But I think it's definitely something that we're going to learn a lot more about in the next five to ten years as they're doing just increasing numbers of these cases, Blair said in a now-archived video. It says getting consent and cooperation from the pre-sexual children is also a problem, Blair acknowledged. It's challenging because there's a question of how does that factor into consent? When you're consenting someone for pubertal suppression and there likely is some effect on downstage genital surgery, but you don't know how if an but you don't know if an individual is going to desire genital surgery or not in the future. And there's also hard it's also hard to have a conversation with someone, listen to this, that maybe hasn't went through puberty or ever engaged in sexual activity. Okay, stop there. Why in the hell are you talking to children about cutting their penis off or giving them hormones when they haven't gone through puberty or experienced sexual activity? And what kind of perversion is this? What kind of psychotic world do we live in where we allow people freely, doctors quote unquote, to go around 
talking to children about genitals and they admit that these children don't know anything about sex, how in the how in the hell are they supposed to be able to give consent to have their penis removed or be put on drugs? Listen to this freak. It's a really tricky thing. More often than not, there's been almost no genital engagement in terms of self-stimulation or masturbation. How does he notice this? He's been asking these children this. Can you imagine you're a parent? What kind of insane parents must there be out there who are taking these children to have these sexual surgeries at Oregon Health and Science University by Dr. Blair Peters, queer surgeon, and, and he's saying to them, okay, tell me, Billy, have you, have you started masturbating yet? Oh, you haven't. Okay, well, it's going to be hard to cut your penis off, but we're still going to do it. And he goes, so, so then trying to assess things like erogenous outcomes after a surgery when someone's never had an erogenous experience is ex- incredibly difficult because they don't really have a baseline to compare it to. No shit. No shit. You don't think they have a baseline to compare it to, yet you're willing to cut their penis off? This son of a bitch is in practice today. This is his video. This is his video. One thing that is very new is genital surgery in someone that has underwent pubertal suppression. Um, Not so much an issue in um, someone with assigned female at birth anatomy that undergoes a phalloplasty because we're... Who the hell talks like this anyway? Creating something with a free tissue transfer or a flap anyway, but a much bigger issue for an individual that's undergoing a penile inversion vaginoplasty. Okay, so penile inversion of vaginoplasty, that's basically where he cuts their penis off and pushes the skin back in and makes a vagina, quote unquote, and then you have to dilate it. Now, this is something that's been done for transgender surgeries as long as transgender surgeries have been around, not on children. Um, because we use all of that tissue to basically create the vulva as well as line the internal vaginal canal. And as a specialty, um, those of us that do it for- This guy talks like- uh, uh, Blasey Ford talk. Do you remember her uh, when she was giving her testimony about how uh, she was raped by Justice Kavanaugh? She doesn't remember when or where or whatever, but she knows she was raped by Justice Kavanaugh. She had the same kind of way she spoke, where at the end she just left her. Uh, she had an upturn in her inflection, and that's supposed to convey to you that they are not any way a threat because they speak in a very childish manner fairly high volume of genital gender affirming surgery. You know, we've maybe done a couple, a handful of pubertally suppressed adolescents as a field and no one's published on it yet. Um, OHSU is, we're just putting our first series together as oh, we're great. kind of learning and figuring out what works. Um, but it's- So could you imagine being a parent and you let this guy figure out what works or not and cutting a penis off of your child? Really changing things um, because you don't have enough tissue to line the vaginal canal. So you either have to take a skin graft or take skin. How insane is this? So this guy's admitting they're cutting these penises off of these children. And because they're children who's been genitally uh, pubertively suppressed, there's not enough tissue to make this new neo-vagina. So then they're getting skin grafts? From elsewhere or use some artificial products. Um, the way that we're dealing with... Artificial products. Now that's what you want in your child, right? You know, down the line, you're filling out your new patient history and uh, it says, uh, you know, surgeries and you list uh, penile penectomy with new vagina creation uh, plus artificial products. That's going to be healthy. That's a good idea. That is by using a robot. 
and we're basically performing intra-abdominal um, components of the surgery. So we're using peritoneum, which is the inner lining of the abdomen to line most of the vaginal canal. Okay. One thing. That's great. That's wonderful. And then they also talks in here later. It says, listen to this. This is even more disgusting uh, uh, child abuse. The issue is especially difficult for young boys because they're expected to repeatedly use a painful wand to prevent their male body from closing up their just created, quote, vaginal canal, Peters noted. This is the video that has been archived. He goes, and then, you know, post-operative care, anyone knows that seeing the post-op or vaginal classification is really intense. And we're kind of asking someone that is younger and hasn't really engaged or done much with their genitalia before we chopped it off to all of a sudden do this like aggressive relaxation for dil- for dilation. And it's just a huge ask. So we're finding that to be a barrier almost more so than the surgery. So what they're doing is when you have genital surgery to remove your penis and invert the tissue and create this quote unquote neo vagina, you have to dilate it so it doesn't close up. So you do that with like a, a instrument. They, that's what they, that's what they're calling this wand. And it's a dilator and you have to use progressively larger dilator and dilator until it gets to be whatever, I guess it, the neo vagina dimensions are supposed to be. So they're telling young children to do this. They're telling adolescents or pre-adolescents to do this. Could you imagine doing this? How you're not in prison? How this happens in America, I do not know. It would be one thing if this was happening in like Thailand or Mexico or somewhere where, you know, there's not a lot of regulation and it's just kind of whoever shows up with the most money will do whatever the hell you want. But this guy is in uh, Oregon Health and Science University and he's still online. This is this is this is still available right now. You can see this. I tell you, never in the history of our country has there been, as far as I can remember, more depravity than is right now. This is probably similar to what happened and uh the back back in the old days when God said, you know what, screw it. Time for a flood. Time for flood, uh, or in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, time to get get rid of these places, it's it's over. We're getting closer and closer to that. When you have guys uh, who are quote-unquote doctors chopping the penises off of children and then forcing them to dilate their neo-vagina, quote-unquote, with a, a wand that is painful, and his thing is saying, well, there's a barrier to this, and we have to have do more of these so we can figure out how to how to make it easier. This guy is a sick person. He's a, he's a menace. And uh, the fact that, like I said, this is happening in America, and the guy's not in prison while at the same time what we're doing it's it's god i mean uh, we're probably getting close to the point where we're about to we're about to have the reset button pushed on us and we're not gonna have to worry about doing these things anymore talking about this because it'll be over here we go this is from the cdc this is more gatewaypundit.com academy of breastfeeding medicine Inducing lactation may present more of a challenge for transgender individuals cdc highlights stunning scientific discoveries from clown world and official handout the Center for Disease Controls uh, and Prevention's Health Equity Considerations handout is an exercise of insanity, reminding anyone who's willing to listen that, quote, an individual does not need to have given birth to chest feed or breastfeed. That's right. That's where we're at. The government uses tax dollars to explain this. It says here, in the three-page diatribe filled with fake, woke interpretations of reality, the government agency tasked with, quote, equitably, equitably protecting health, safety, and security may now have reached maximum clown world potential. 
On page one of the free-to-download pamphlet of Preposterous Nonsense, Americans are reminded that discrimination-based inequities have resulted in, quote, disparities in breastfeeding among different groups in the United States. Who is there different groups, you wonder? Okay, here we go. Transgender and non-binary gendered individuals may be given may give birth and breastfeed or feed at the chest. The gender identity or, or expression of transgender individuals is different from sex at birth. The gender identity of non-binary gendered individuals does not feed neatly into either man or woman. These are people who are uh, who are having problems getting enough chest feeding or breastfeeding. An individual that does not need to have given birth to breastfeed or chest feed. Some families may have preferred terminology for how they feed their babies, such as nursing, chest feeding, or breastfeeding. And here it goes into it. It says on page three of the protocol, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine explains the fascinating details behind a biological man's complicated ability to breastfeed. This is from the uh, protocol. Hormone therapy for trans women and trans feminine people typically include an estrogen and antiandrogen, such as spironolactone. It may also include a progestin. Estrogen therapy will reduce will induce breast tissue development. There is one case in many anecdotal report, reports of trans women, that is men, inducing lactation. Uh, see induced lactation and co-lactation segment and producing human milk. Okay, that's that, that's a. Uh, I don't know if you call that human milk or not. Uh, breast augmentation in trans women may mask inadequate mammary tissue development or result in pressure atrophy of the remaining tissue. So this is saying if a if man has breast augmentation, it may in, impact their breast tissue that they have. So even if they are taking estrogen and an anti-androgen and progestin, they still may have trouble uh, breastfeeding. It may also increase the risk of engorgement during induced lactation. Now, all of this is to say is the reason that I'm saying all this is twofold. One is to say that the CDC is tasked itself with your tax dollars in identifying this problem and and making a document about it. The other one is we are having children subjected to people who are fulfilling a fantasy of wanting to breastfeed uh, by having a man take chemicals and make him lactate in such a fashion that they are actually putting this into a, a child's mouth. Is this, again... Are we at the point now where we're about to be reset, where we're about to have floods or fires or whatever the case is, and uh, just be put be put away? I mean, this is what we're subjecting children to. If you're not chopping their penis off, and and then uh, when they're young, maybe you can feed them from a man's boob. And this is done, like I said. None of this is is considered. Uh, uh, out outrageous by the left and by extension, the Democrat party, because the Democrat party is the party of the left. Not that everyone who's a Democrat is leftist, but the Democrat party is run by leftists. Okay. So whether or not you identify as leftist, your party is run by leftists. The people who are in charge of your party are leftists. They aren't liberals. They aren't, uh, people who believe in, uh, traditional uh, families are not people who believe in anything traditional except revolution. They believe in cultural Marxism, and this is part of it. They believe in making everyone so confused about what is truth and reality as based on uh, norms of society and, and turning them on their heads in, a, in an attempt to just destroy the system in order to rebuild it in a Marxist utopia, which they will end up running. And they're 
quickly on their way to doing it. Um, like I said, this is mainstream. If you if you're a mainstream Democrat, you have to be on board with this. If you're a mainstream Democrat politician, you have to be on board with this. You're not allowed to question this. And if you did, you would quickly be run out of the of the party. There was some article about a Georgia congresswoman who who had to leave the party because she was she was being run out of it essentially. You see this all the time. You see, you know, Joe Manchin maybe are doing a third run or, or a third party run. But um, this is insanity. But this is mainstream Democrat Party. Uh, what you call it? This is the mainstream of what the Democrat Party stands for nowadays. They stand for chest feeding if you're a man. They stand for cutting the penis off of a child. And if you think I'm exaggerating, go ask Joe Biden himself. Joe Biden said that's one of the uh, major problems that we have in this country now is that the children are not getting access to gender affirming care, which is exactly what this is. Whatever this guy, this Blair Peters uh, person, this is what he is doing. Gender affirming care, quote unquote, queer surgeon who uses a robot to cut child's peepees off. That's what he is. And that is a mainstream Democrat ideal right now. So if you're a Democrat, you have to think about that whenever you, when you vote. Uh, speaking of Joe Biden, you know, they've had this cocaine problem. And I hate to say I told you so, but it is a see I told you so, a la Rush Limbaugh, in that they were not able to find the guy who did it. And a uh, guy or gal who left the cocaine there, Secret Service has now said, looks like we're not going to be able to find it out. Sorry, guys. Just like they couldn't find out, um, you know, who, who leaked the Supreme Court case. As I predicted, they said that we're, we're not can't find out who did the cocaine. It's, you know, case closed. We don't know who did it. I was listening to Clay Travis yesterday, and he was saying, this should not be a hard, a hard thing to figure out if you're Secret Service or some type of any type of thinking individual. And he said he gave the he gave the analogy as a, what if you had a party at your house or some kind of event at your house and a known serial killer came to that event and then later on you found a dead body? Who would be the person you think maybe have done that? And that's what you have to do with the White House. So you have a known cocaine uh, addict and he is the son of the president. And now we're saying we don't have any idea who the cocaine belonged to, and we certainly are not going to be able to find out. But we know for sure, according to the media, that it wasn't, including Kaylee McEnany, that it was not. It was not Hunter Biden's cocaine. But anyway, that was a see I told you so that they wouldn't figure that out. But you all knew that. But back to Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden has had a f- free speech fail. So he's been, as you know, colluding with uh, social media. The He and his... Uh, he and his underlings at the alphabet agencies have been entered in with Twitter and with Facebook telling them, look, you may want to look into this account. You may want to cancel that account. Anyway, they had a lawsuit brought against them and a federal judge recently uh, ruled against the justice department who were seeking a temporary pause on the order that blocked the agent that blocked the administration from coordinating with social media companies. I'm just going to read from this. This is from PJ media. It says free speech when Biden administration bid to overturn censorship injunction fails. This is by Ben Ben Barty. Yesterday, I reported at PJ Media that the Brandon entity had filed an appeal following a federal judge's injunction against its widespread and unconstitutional social media censorship regime. 
The injunction prohibits the federal government from censoring disfavored speech by coercing social media companies, either explicitly or implicitly threatening them with greater regulation, and sending stooges like Biden out to demonize them, just as an just as antithetical to the spirit of free expression championed by this country's founders and us as unconstitutional as direct censorship. The appeal to the injunction, thanks to one to a lone federal Trump appointed judge who held the line, presumably under immense pressure from the various deep state actors, has failed. It says via CBS, a federal judge on Monday turned down a Justice Department request to temporarily pause an order that blocks top Biden administration officials and several agencies from contacting social media companies, rejecting the government's claim that the injunction was too broad and threatened to chill lawful conduct. It says here. Missouri, this is from the judge, Terry Dowdy, in his ruling. He says, Missouri and Louisiana, he said, are likely to prove that all of the enjoined defendants coerced, significantly encouraged, and or jointly participated with social media companies to suppress social media posts by American citizens that expressed opinions that were anti-COVID vaccines, anti-COVID-19 lockdowns, posts that delegitimized or questioned the results of the 2020 election, and other content not subject to the exception of the First Amendment. These items are protected free speech and were seemingly censored because of the viewpoints they expressed. There was another article I read about this. There was a back and forth between, um, I think it was Twitter and the government. And uh, the government had sent a a notice to Twitter. It says, look, these, these, these accounts are problematic. You need to take them down. And so they did. They did. But apparently there was some type of technical error where they, they the Twitter people tried to immediately take them down because they were told to by the government. And uh, again, I guess the uh, the uh, accounts were still up. And so the, the government wrote back and said, hey, what the hell's going on? This was when their their Slack account, which is a, some type of app or something you can communicate with. And they had this Slack account from the government to Twitter. And they said, what the hell's going on? These accounts are still up. And they're like, oh, God, we're sorry. We, we, thought, we, we thought we canceled them. We'll get right on that, boss. Anyway, so this is what they're talking about here with this uh, censorship that the regime is forcing in true fascist fashion on the uh, social media companies. And the social media companies are, they, they don't care. They, they comply. And they've complied. But now this, uh, this ruling, which Gateway Pundit's one of the, um, one of the um, plaintiffs in the lawsuit, including Missouri and uh, what they say here, <clears throat> Louisiana. But they have now had this judge who says, look, uh, this this case can go forward. Hopefully, we'll see something out of this. But like I said, this goes back to my point before, that the only way you're seeing pushback against the state, that is the Biden regime, that is the unelected fourth branch of government, the bureaucracy, the permanent deep state, the only pushback you're seeing against any of these entities is through the courts, through the judiciary. That is the only way we've seen pushback against mandates. That's the only way we've seen pushback against mandatory vaccination programs. That's the only way we've seen pushback against uh, affirmative action. Uh, that's the only way we've seen pushback against abortion. All of these things that are for freedom. And if you say, well, abortion is not for freedom. Well, abortion's for freedom if you're the one getting aborted is through the government. I'm sorry, through the judiciary. It is not through the feckless, weak, timid Republicans who have done virtually nothing except talk. There has been nothing done except talk, even including those hearings. All they're doing is talking. They had uh, they had the head of Hoover's boys on the uh, in front of Congress again the other day, 
asking him asking him about you know is a perceived bias you know hunter biden's walking free yet the department of justice has now uh charged uh, uh, hoover's boys whistleblower with a fara violation foreign agents uh, registration act violation which had been unused mostly unused forever until they came across donald trump and they used that against um they used that against um manafort and put him in a maximum security prison they put him in the same prison they put in the damn Unabomber before he died. But anyway, so but but they did they charged this uh, whistleblower, this this Hoover's Boys whistleblower. They charged him with a fair violation. How how convenient! This guy is giving dirt uh, on Joe Biden and his operations, his crime family operations, and this whistleblower has now been uh, charged. Charged with a fair violation, you know, just like they charged uh, Donald Trump with uh, classified documents handling problems. Joe Biden, special counsel for him, nothing to be seen about it. I don't even think they talked to Joe Biden yet. But they asked uh, they asked the head Hoover's boys about this, head the director of Hoover's boys, and he's like, yeah, I don't see anything, you know, I I don't I, I disagree with what you're saying, and there's actually no evidence of that at all. And uh, you know, several people have noticed that this guy, you know, he's he doesn't care at all. He has no fear. And that's what you do. It reminds me of the end of, um, I think it was season, was it season, season three of Fargo? I don't know if you saw that season three of Fargo. There's this guy who was this kind of a strange dude. He was the, uh, he was the adversary in Fargo and he seemed like almost supernatural. Like he was able to get out of situations. He was a bulimic, he uh, he had these teeth that were just kind of all rotted from acid and not good care in general, and but he was this apparently this uh, guy who was just very wealthy at the same time, and he was doing all these things behind the scene, taking over these companies and doing all this things, and it, it was a very operated very mysteriously. Well, anyway, at the end of the Fargo, he's finally caught. They've arrested him, and the cop who has been pursuing him through the whole season has her in her clutches sitting across from him in the, uh, in the seat. And she's talking to him and he says, in five minutes, you're going to uh, basically see me stand up and walk right out of here. And there's not going to be anything you can do about it. And she just looked at him completely nonplussed. Like how in the world? Cause I've got you dead in the rights. And then the, and then it cuts and we don't ever see what happens. But the same type of uh, nonchalant attitude that he had is the same type of attitude any of these administration people have before they go before the Congress. Because there's no, there's nothing that's going to happen to them. They know that they run the Department of Justice. They run the government. They run the uh, Hoover's boys. They run all of these uh, different agencies. And they know there's not going to be anything happen to them. You know, it's funny if you think about it. Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has not testified for one minute to Congress. Yet, Donald Trump Jr., because he had some meeting with some guy who may have been connected to some Russian in a hotel in New York, was called, I think he was there for 16 hours or something like that, going over and over. And they tried as hard as they could. This was Congress to figure out a way to nail Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. And they got nothing. Look at our Congress. Look at look at the Republicans. They have not questioned Hunter Biden for one minute. Now they'll 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 talk a mean game. They'll get up there, a la Trey Gowdy, how Trey Gowdy used to be. You know, he get up there and for the 
what was it? Hillary Clinton with the uh, with, with the uh, the the death of the um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on it in uh, Egypt, um, Benghazi, Benghazi. You know the Benghazi withdrawal and all that, and they had the Benghazi Commission, and Trey Gowdy was going to get to the bottom of. It. He was like the sheriff from the old times, and they got nothing. They got nothing. And Trey Gowdy, he talked a mean talk, but like someone said, he's all hat and no cattle. And uh, that's what that's what that's what these guys know. They know when they get up there, there's not going to be any repercussions. So they can get up there and they can tell half truths. They can lie. They can say whatever they want. They know nothing's going to happen to them. And that's where we find ourselves in. Is you kind of feel like, you know, what is going to happen? You know, and I think that's the that's the goal of it. Is if you're on the uh, if you're not a leftist, if you're not part of the entrenched party in government, Democrat party. I think the idea is to dispirit you. The idea is just to make you just say, well, I give up then, you know, that what can I do? There's nothing we can do. These guys are corrupt. They're easily seen to be corrupt. They do nothing about investigating any of this stuff. And, uh, the Republicans are inept or weak. They're timid. They are, uh, you know, you know, they're like Mitt Romney trying to battle Barack Obama for the presidency. He's just ineffective. They're, they're toothless. But I think, you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to say what will happen. I hope for some type of, honestly to God, the only thing that I can think of is there will be some type of, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, from above. There may be something from above. I think that's kind of how Trump got there. You know, when Trump got elected, it was a blast from nowhere. It, it was totally unpredicted. And I think it's going to be something like that that's going to happen. If there is any type of reversal of the way that we see things happening, you're not going to see it coming. You're not going to, it's not going to be like an incremental thing where, you know, we take back the White House and then suddenly, you know, we pass a few bills and then, you know, freedom's going to be, you know, getting more and more freedom and the deep state and the administrative state are getting beaten back. I think it's going to be like a phenomenal thing. It's going to be an event if it happens if we don't get canceled from above before because of our cutting penises off of children and God just says, you know what? You people are just too far gone. We're you're out of here. <clears throat> but I think if there's going to be something politically happen, it's going to be a watershed event and it's going to be like, it's, it's going to be like a mirac- miraculous thing that happened. You're like, Holy crap. Like there's going to be somebody from Hoover's boys high up who really spills the beans and says, look, this is what happened. And then they shut Hoover's boys down or they, you know, Something's going to happen. It's going to happen from a, something like a whistleblower. But you can see what they're doing to whistleblowers now, you know. Uh, so it's going to be hard, but we just have to keep plucking away. But I think the more that people understand what's going on, obviously that's the more more helpful it is for us, us on the side of liberty, that is. This is from the Gateway Pundit. It says, actors join writers on strike, effectively shutting down Hollywood. Will anyone notice says Hollywood has been Hollywood writers have been on strike for three months and now have been joined by the Screen Actors Guild. This means that everything in Hollywood has come to a screeching halt halt other than people who work in industry. Will anyone really notice? Are there any shows on TV that are so good that people would miss them over the coming weeks and possibly months? As far as movie goes, what are people going to miss? Yet another dumb superhero movie, yet another woke lecture on men that are evil. And uh, so these Hollywood uh, writers had been on strike now for three months, but now the actors have joined them. And, uh, this is from, uh, this is from, where is this from? Breitbart news. 
Hollywood stars go on strike. Celebrities walk off the job, bringing TV and movie production to a historic halt. Hollywood stars will walk off the job in mass Thursday night after the Screen Actors Union sag after failed to reach a new contract with studios, effectively bringing scripted TV and movie production around the country to a screeching halt. And some of the things that they're worried about, apparently, is um, it says here, Union leaders failed to make headway on issues including increased compensation in the age of digital streaming. So these people aren't getting enough residuals from the digital streaming, much like the artists aren't getting uh, very much residuals from streaming uh, uh, music, Spotify in particular. And guarantees that actors won't be replaced by artificial intelligence technology. So I guess the actors are concerned that they're going to do a, uh, you know, basically what they did with Harrison Ford to de-age him. They're going to basically do that with movies and say, you know what, you guys, we'll save the millions of dollars. I was in uh, Sam's the other day, and I was walking down the aisle, and there was this beep, 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 and then there's this, uh, what do they call them? These things that, you know, you've seen them in the stores, they they clean the uh, floors. They polish the floors, I guess, or they wash them. It's like a big machine. It looks like kind of like a miniature uh, uh, thing that they use for the, for the ice at the, um, at the hockey rinks. Anyway, it goes around the store and it sprays some stuff and cleans up. Anyway, this was at Sam's and it was, it was coming down the aisle at me, but there was no person behind it pushing it. And on the tag, it had a tag, it had a Sam's employees tag and it said Lily. So this was a robot. And on the side of Lily was also this other portion of her, which said uh, inventory. So Lily can clean the floors and, and Lily can do inventory. Two fairly mundane activities of being a Sam's employee. But two activities that if you were employed by Sam's, you were entitled to $15 an hour minimum wage. And I sent, I took a video of it and I sent it to Tracy. And it said, I said, I see your $15 minimum wage and I raise you one robot. And that's what they're going to do. That's what the Hollywood actors are worried that they're going to do is replace them basically with artificial intelligence. And uh, I mean, you can already do that. You replace actors when you do CGI movies, right? When you do these uh, Pixar movies and things like that. Well, after that, all you need to do is replace the voice, and then you don't even need the actors anymore. Uh, it says the and here's something from Deadline. This says this is some inside information what they're looking for on the other side. So the producers are aligned against the actors in this in this uh, in this in this fight. It says, with the scribe strike now reaching its 71st day and the Actors Union just 30 hours from a possible labor action on its own, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers are planning to dig in hard this fall before even entertaining the idea of more talks with the WGA, I've learned. Not Halloween precisely, but late October for sure is the intention, says a top-tier producer close to the Carol Lombardini-run AMPTP. That's the American Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. So this guy who's a producer says, look, we're going to not talk to these guys, these Writers Guild guys, um, until um, until uh, July. I'm sorry, October. It's July now. It says the end game is to allow things drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses, a studio executive told Headline. Acknowledging the cold as ice approach, several other sources reiterated the statement. One insider called it a cruel but necessary evil. So that's that's Hollywood for you. Hollywood, which is all big on loving everybody and accepting everybody and diversity and gender equity and every other kind of left-wing utopian idea. They are not above making their own starve. 
and lose their house before they give them more money. Isn't that funny? Hollywood, which lectures us on the morals, how they're virtuous and we're unvirtuous if we're not out there supporting their uh, their their woke movies, supporting their uh, uprooting of traditional American values in favor of their Marxist revolutionary values through their movies. We're bad people if we don't follow through and, and support them with our dollars. And yet here they are with their big hearts making their own uh, colleagues in the writers guild poor, poor, so poor that they're going to lose their house and starve potentially before they even give them a little bit more money. Oh, well, what else do we have here? Oh, this is alarming. This is from Fox news. This is uh, this is a millennial update. Bed rotting, quote unquote, is a self care. Some insist. But mental health experts share warnings about the social media trend. Listen to this. Some lounging can be beneficial, but doctors warn too much of it could be a sign of depression. Mother and neuropsychologist Dr. Jennifer Reisman discusses the consequences of longer screen times for teenagers and what parents can do to help their child's mental health uh, struggles. Lounging all day in bed might seem lazy, but some Generation Z trend followers are now embracing it as a form of self-care. Bed rotting, the practice of spending long terms of time snuggled underneath the covers with snacks, screens, and other comfort measures is gaining popularity on social media. It says here, uh, uh, bed rotting uh, in our current culture with too much to do, too many expectations, and too much productivity, many individuals are feeling burned out and they aren't getting enough sleep. It's easy to see why taping, taking time off literally to lie around is appealing, he went on. This is a Ryan Sultan. He's a board-certified psychiatrist. And he says he finds the trend of bed rotting fascinating. In many ways, this is beneficial. It's a chance to clear your mind, recharge, and regroup before returning to life in a better frame of mind. On the flip side, he said, long-term need or desire for bed rotting could be a warning sign. Spending too many daytime hours in bed, awake or not, could also wreak havoc on sleep schedules, one, more, or one doctor warned. And another one said this could be a sign of depression. So this is a further extension of the uh, millennial lifestyle of not leaving your parents' home, uh, I guess, and not getting a job, not getting a license, not getting a driver's license, not becoming one of the you know productive members of society is bed rotting. And so you just stay in bed, you watch TV, you sit there, you eat Cheetos, you make a mess. Your parents come in, they say, are you going to look for a job today? And they're they don't say anything. They, they just stare off into space, uh, drinking and eating and, and watching Netflix all day. And But this some, some doctors say this might be dangerous, might be a sign of depression, but it is good to recharge your batteries. And so uh, at least that's um, at least that's something we can look forward to as the future comes. And these people are in charge, basically. So next time you call wherever to get your get your gutters cleaned or you get your uh, uh, get your lawn mowed or get your toilet fixed or you're trying to get some labs done or make a doctor's appointment and you, you can't get through to anybody, it may be that person's at home bed rotting and uh, it may be that, you know, you just have to just wait for them to kind of get around to getting up. I don't know. The practice of spending time snuggled under covers with snacks and screens and other creature comforts is gaining popularity. I bet it is. I bet it is. Uh, uh, 
you know, you often wonder what will happen if there is some type of invasion, China invades, or, you know, God forbid that happens. Um, what are we going to do? You know, between the uh, chest-feeding uh, Navy uh, sail, sailor or the, uh, or the uh, you know, bed-rotting people that are going to be drafted, I don't know that we have much of a chance, really. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe that will be that profound event I was talking about. Maybe that will be the end of it. We won't have to worry about it. You know, we won't have to worry about trying to win back the house or whatever. We just have to learn how to speak Mandarin. Bud Light has received the star of death. This is from Breitbart. Costco customers say chain may stop restocking Bud Light because they've received this, quote, star of death. So apparently there's this asterisk that they'll put on labels at Costco whenever they are going to stop stocking an item. Have you ever been to Costco or Sam's and you're like, oh, man, I want to get that. I want to get that drink that they had last time. That was really good, you know. And then you go there and like, where is it? Where's the vitamin water that was here? It was just right here last week or something else. That's why, because they stock stuff. And if it doesn't sell, they're like, get rid of it, you know? And they say here in this article, it says, it says that Costco, it says part of the reason this is speaking to Reader's Digest in 2022, it says a Costco employee said part of the reason Costco prices are so cheap is that they can, the chain can only carry limited number of each product. And it says, of course, this also means that the store won't hang on to an item that isn't selling, so they replace it with something that's more appealing. And it says, and he says, you can find a product if it's been discontinued. The way you do it is you look up at the upper right-hand corner of the Costco price tag. If you see an asterisk, it's a sign the wholesale store won't be restocking the item. And apparently they've seen this star of death on Bud Light. It says Costco members have saying, been saying the retail chain may stop, restock, stop restocking Bud Light because the star of death on their price tag has emerged. And uh, some some Twitter user says, is it just me or am I the only one who's noticed Costco has applied their famous star of death on Bud Light? So if you are a Bud Light aficionado, you might want to stock up because once Costco stops selling your stuff, um, that's a bad sign. And it may be a sign that your uh, favorite water-based um, beer flavored beer water water flavored beer is um or beer flavored water is going to be taken out of stock so of course this this has got to do with some more uh cultural war stuff that they say that Ron DeSantis should not be engaging in you know this uh using uh Dylan Mulvaney to be the symbol of a uh, women's womanhood womanhood they gave him that can with his face on it and said, this is a celebration of you being a woman. And, uh, some people just didn't take it, take to that, especially after the video emerged of the vice president saying that Bud Light needs to get away from all that fratty, stupid humor. Bud Light used to be one of the greatest, you know, there's been a few commercials, um, throughout the years, which have been revolutionary. Um, Max Headroom, Back in the day, 1980s, Coca-Cola, Spuds McKenzie, uh, Budweiser, uh, the Bud Bowl. That was Bud Light versus Budweiser. Again, that was that was Anheuser-Busch, which is the owner of uh, Bud Light. Uh, I think the first Geico commercials were funny. You know, there's kind of eccentric, kind of funny commercials. Um, 
So, but anyway, Bud Light, like I said, also there was one, I think it was Miller Light had the um, Men of the Square Table. That was really funny. Uh, Burt Reynolds used to be in there. And uh, I, I'll look up a video next week and maybe I'll play one. But anyway, they're just like all of these different things that the men of the square table rule on, essentially, and they give their opinion. So all those things are really funny. But <clears throat> Bud Light, that was viewed as fratty humor by this uh, lady who actually lost her job um, as the director of Bud Light's, uh, I guess it was PR or something. And so, but they used to be really good at that. Now they're not really good. And now it looks like maybe they won't be any good ever again, because like I said, if you lose your market share through, um, through Bud Light, I'm sorry, through Costco, then there's a very good chance that you will not be able to be around very much longer. Uh, let's see what else we got here. This is a quick video. Let me see if this will, this is a, just to give you an idea what the minute of the score table was like. This is from uh, YouTube called Marketing the Rainbow website. I'll just click on this real quick here. This is funny. Beer the square table. When toasted, do we clean tops or bottoms? Let's just take a look. If the top's touched, then our saliva is touching. Well, then technically that would qualify as a kiss. Oh, come on. Tell you what, why don't we just touch bottles? No thanks, Hollywood. Hang into that. Bottles. Hello? That one wasn't as good as I thought. Anyway, they were talking about clinking bottles. We do the tops or the bottoms. And they said that you shouldn't do the bottoms because uh, you should do the bottoms because the tops have saliva on them. You don't want to touch people's saliva. But anyway, they were they were good at it, but now they're no, they're no longer good. Uh, this is more stuff about Hollywood. And this is the uh, movie that you've heard of called Sound of Freedom. So Disney has um, Disney had Sound of Freedom first. Disney actually was going to release Sound of Freedom. Actually, Disney was not going to. Fox was going to release Sound of Freedom. Then Disney bought Fox in 2019, and they said, we're not going to let Sound of Freedom go out. It is not what we're into. It is not like, you know, this is not the type of thing that we want to deal with. And Sound of Freedom is about child trafficking, and it stars an FBI uh, agent who basically says, I can't deal with this anymore. Just being an FBI agent, I have to do more. And so he became a guy that went and rescued trafficked children. But apparently Disney released, refused to release sound of freedom. So this company named angel studios bought it and they were sued by Disney to release from releasing sound of freedom. And they, they attempted uh, to squash it for five years but finally, uh, Angel Angel Studios was allowed to get the uh, Sound of Freedom and um, release it, and now it's been a it's been a hit. So Sound of Freedom actually beat Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny in the third week. I think that Dial of Destiny was out. This Sound of Freedom movie, which cost about fourteen million dollars to make, made fourteen million dollars in that week that it beat the uh, Indiana Jones because the Indiana Jones movie made less than that. So usually with movies, you can say the cost to break even is twice about what it costs to make because they use about an equal amount to do uh, promotions, which seems like a lot of money to me. But anyway, it is what it is. So Disney, uh, which owns Lucasfilms now, spent 
about $200 million apparently to promote the $200 million production called Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. So $400 million is what they take. They're not going to make near that amount of money. They're going to lose probably $100, $100 million or more on this. But the Sound of Freedom, which was originally owned by Disney after it had bought Fox, tried to not release the film. It says, this is from Blue Blaze. Uh, is any surprise that the company tried to prevent the release of Sound of Freedom, a staunchly anti-woke film that tells the true story of Tim Ballard and his mission to save trafficked children? To make matters worse, Disney attempted to quash the film for five whole years. It even sued Angel Studios after the small media company was able to finally was able to reacquire it. Thankfully, the mega corporation was unsuccessful. Now millions of people are learning about the heinous human trafficking rings that victimized millions of innocent children. Uh, it says initially uh, Fox produced the film, but Disney bought Fox in 2019. The company made it abundantly clear it had no intention of releasing the film. So, um, this is another thing that's troubling because if you look at the media coverage of the Sound of Freedom from the establishment media, they have been uh, they have been criticizing this movie and saying that it's a it's a QAnon conspiracy and that Jim Caviezel is a uh, is a eccentric or not eccentric he's a he's a a, a QAnon uh, conspiracy theorist and you shouldn't see this and uh, the Rolling Stone it was they had um, made a negative article about it and I was watching um, who was it uh, try to think who it was anyway someone had brought up the fact oh it was Paul Joseph Watson on YouTube and he had brought up the fact that so Rolling Stone criticizes this movie the sound of free the, the sound of freedom about saving children from human trafficking and they they made fun of it said it was stupid that the kids were you know gross looking and everything else like that at the same time this is the same company rolling stone that previously had endorsed this film called cuties which was on netflix which at that time was under fire from the right or from just normal people because it, had, it was about children dancing in provocative ways basically in skimpy outfits and dancing for adults much like you see now with what they're trying to do with uh you know making it normal for children to dance in front of adults this kind of infatuation with pedophilia they call them minor attracted individuals who who like who like children uh or minors this is this is this whole i don't know what you call it it just uh I guess mainstream leftist culture that believes that a movie that is about child trafficking that exposes child trafficking for the evil that it is and tries to give an inspirational story that's to be criticized and that's not to be promoted and that's to be ridiculed. And then you have this movie called cuties, which is about children dancing provocatively in a sexual way. That's cool. That's edgy. That's uh, open-minded. That's mainstream. You see the same thing. It goes all through. It's like a disease, a mental disease. You see the same thing with their, uh, the mainstream leftist culture's belief in the, like we were talking about earlier, uh, transgender uh, firming care for children, you know. And then the same thing with these drag shows. We need to have kids going to drag shows. It's wholesome. It means nothing. A man riding around on a bicycle with no pants on, according to some uh, leftists on Twitter, is not going to cause any kind of long-term damage and we need to get over ourselves. We're just fuddy duddies. These people are sick and they have an agenda. And some of the people on the left 
have an agenda towards children. And I can't understand it. Uh, I don't try to understand. I don't want to understand it. But whatever they're, whatever they see about children that's enticing sexually is disgusting. And uh, on the converse, what they what they take offense to is when you criticize people who see things, see child children as sexual objects. They think that's you should not criticize those people, which is why they don't like the sound of freedom. And it's a disgusting thing to think about, but it's a it's a further reflection of, like I said, why don't be surprised if one day you woke up, wake up and the heavens have opened up and it's been declared game over. And uh, you better hope you know where your uh, where your uh, your cards lie in that remote in that regard, because I don't know how much more longer a society can go on that cheerleads a a movie about children dancing sexually and then also says that a, a movie about child trafficking being exposed is bad. I don't know how much longer that that society can survive without being either wiped out from uh, collapse within itself from a cultural decay or from God just smiting that culture off the face of the earth. I don't know how it happens. Um, anyway, uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, I was going to say something about the children. It'll come back to me. This is from, okay, here's another thing about children. Here's a, more evidence. Here it is from Gateway Pundit. California Assembly blocks legislation that would have made child trafficking punishable life by life in prison. So get this. The, the, the California Assembly Committee on Public Safety has a bill that was going to be uh, making child trafficking a, a, quote, serious felony on par with murder, rape, and other crimes that would carry life in prison. The California Assembly on Public Safety Committee blocked the measure. It says, the Assembly, the Assembly uh, Public Safety Committee blocks State Senate Bill 14, which would have made human trafficking of a minor a serious felony in California. The bill had cleared the Senate with bipartisan support. It says, Fox News reports, no Democrats on the committee voted for the bill. Only one Republican, Assemblyman Tom Lackey, voted yes on the bill, while the GOP vice chair of the committee, Assemblyman Juan Alanis, was out of the committee room at the time of the vote. So there's probably only two Republicans on the whole committee. This is in California, where it's a, basically a one-party state. And this guy, Tom Lackey, voted yes on the bill to make child trafficking a punishable by life in prison. And then the other guy, who was a Republican, was not even available at the time of the vote. It said uh, the report added that Senate bill was given reconsideration, meaning it could be taken up by the California Assembly next year. This is the country. This is the the state. I mean, where they are promoting abortion to the time of birth. They're promoting uh, illegal immigration without any limits. They're promoting every sort of left wing insanity that you can believe and here they are adding on top of that, blocking a bill that would make child trafficking, of all things, a serious felony. What in the world is wrong with this? this? What? No, Siri, I'm not going to try again. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so I don't know, uh, you know, what the, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, besides just saying these people are completely morally bankrupt and utterly contemptible but there must be some type of i don't know i don't know what the political 
the, the reasons for this politically are other than it would offend child traffickers. And that if that's your if that's what's making you upset, you need to take a long look in the mirror at yourself every morning and wonder, am I doing what's what's good? Am I am I a virtuous person or not? They're just sick, I think. I think they're mentally sick. Uh, let's see here. You know this thing about this thing I never remember gonna remember what I was gonna say. This whole thing about the sexualization of children. I don't know if you remember seeing it or not, but whatever show that Michael Strahan is on, I don't know who thought Michael Strahan was suddenly some type of good guy to have on, but he's on a talk show now, uh, former former New York Giant defensive end. I think he was on with Kelly Ripa at some point. Maybe this is when he had this lady, this child on lady. I meant to say child. They have a child on, which was a, a child, nine years old, I think, who was a, quote, drag queen. And so this child is dancing. You can Google this. Just drag, just just Google child drag queen Michael Strahan. And so this child in the most uncomfortable video, one of the most uncomfortable videos I've ever seen that was for public consumption, this child's dancing in front of people, an audience who are cheering, and this child is dancing as a drag queen. And now you might say, well, you know, you're being a little bit too, uh, you're being a fuddy-duddy, you know, it wasn't serious, it was all in jest. Okay, if if this was Michael Strahan and uh, Dylan Mulvaney's dancing in front of this audience and they're cheering, I don't give a shit, really. I'm not going to watch it. I don't give a shit if they do it. I don't give a shit if Michael Strahan does it. I don't give a shit if Dylan Mulvaney does it. But you're talking about a child. And this was a child. And this is what I get back to with this left, with this fascination of, of children and sexualization. It is really demonic. It's really satanic. What else we got here? Oh, this is, a, this is something you, you could have seen coming. This is, I hate to say I told you so. I didn't say this before, but I knew this would happen. Equity activists are outraged that white guilt has run out after Disney, Netflix, and other companies force out DEI chiefs. This is from The Blaze. So you remember in 2020, George Floyd, uh, Jacob Blake, whoever else, uh, they had all the riots after that. Uh, There was a bunch of white guilt. There was systemic racism that became a common thing to talk about. Systemic racism was everywhere, especially in corporations. And so corporations and true reflexive action and true um, superficiality and true uh, false promises said, okay, now we're, we're really serious about racism. And they did things like they started having Juneteenth parties. They had Juneteenth specials. Um, I think it was Ikea had a, a Juneteenth celebration, and then they came under fire because what did they have serve at the Juneteenth celebration? Fried chicken and watermelon. And so they came, they, they had to apologize for that. Anyway, so all these companies just bent over backwards. Lady Antebellum, the country group, they changed their name to Lady A. Uh, Winn-Dixie was going to change their name from Winn-Dixie to who knows what, but they, they actually bluffed that. They said, we're going to change our name because Dixie is a racist. Dixie makes people think of the South. Uh, South is racist, therefore uh, we're going to ban Dixie from our name. We're going to become win whatever 
win some groceries, but they didn't. They faked us out and they faked everybody out. And then even Paw Patrol was considering changing their name because Patrol makes people think of cops and cops are obviously bad, but they faked everybody out too. But anyway, some of these companies didn't fake people out and they went and they put their money where their mouth was temporarily. It says, Racial equity activists are outraged after several large companies dropped their diversity, equity, inclusion consultants in response to conservatism and backlash and criticism. I think that's not the reason why they dropped them. I think the reason they dropped them was they got whatever they wanted out of this. This um, they got they got their like I said, twenty twenty happened. The George Floyd was killed. Uh, Jacob Blake was shot. Uh, there were riots. There was a lot of moaning and groaning about racism everywhere. And so these corporations said, we got to do something. Hire some diversity, um, hire some diversity consultants. So they did. And they hired diversity and consultants and they came in. But the thing about diversity consultants is they cost a lot of money. And at the end of the day, you're running a business. And if you really don't care in the, in the first place, if you're really just giving, if you're really just doing platitudes, you're, you're just, you're saying things that you don't mean. You're, you're doing things for publicity. Uh, you're doing things just to uh, what virtue signal. Then this is what you do is you cut those people after a while. And I think that's what happened. It says, uh, the outrage was documented in a report from the Los Angeles Times that noted the exits of DEI experts as their experts take you. Now, so what is a DEI expert? A DEI expert is someone like uh, Abram X. Zindi who is the author of uh, anti-racist children and anti-racist babies and things of that nature, which teaches that people are racist uh, based on their skin color. And no matter what they do, they can't do anything to not be a racist because their skin color dictates if they're going to be racist or not. And the only thing you can do is just basically make amends through doing whatever Abram X Indy wants you to do. And it usually includes spending money with uh, uh, his organizations or affiliated organizations giving them money. It says noted the exits of DEI experts at Disney, Netflix, the Academy of motion picture arts and sciences and Warner brothers discovery. So every one of these companies, Disney woke Netflix woke Academy of motion picture arts and sciences, extremely woke Warner brothers discovery woke and says, um, it says here that the report noted that all the DEI chiefs dismissed, get this were black women. This is from business strategist Kim Clayton Creighton. Uh, she, she claimed that she predicted the corporate support of DEI programs would be short-lived. And she was right. She knew this. She knew this was what it was, was just some way to give window dressing to an item, to get some good publicity, to get a write-up in the New York Times, to get some, uh, to get the view talking about them, to get all these people who, oh, after a few years, after, uh, you know, two or three years, they're just going to not be paying attention as much anymore. Then they can just show these people the exits. Meanwhile, these people have gotten accustomed to their, you know, salaries. I'm sure they got paid a lot of money. And before this, they were probably gender studies professors at, uh, you know, community college or wherever. And here they are. Netflix calls them up and they say, hey, we got a job for you. We want you to be our DEI expert. And they're like, hot damn. I'll be there, you know, I'll be there. So they, they got accustomed to their lifestyle. And then after a while, these, these Netflix and Disney and uh, Warner Brothers, you know, they're like, you know what? We don't need that DEI chief anymore. How much does she make? A million dollars? Yeah, we're going to let her go. Uh, Kim Creighton says, 2020 was a year that we we're definitely making strides, but there wasn't any strategy. There wasn't any planned. And it says, uh, 
Creighton went on to say that DEI consultants were too busy having to deal with other with white people's feelings to make any lasting changes about inequity. Listen to this. Uh, if you don't have the autonomy, the resources, the authority to make changes, it won't work. Many of these people, women spent the majority of their time navigating white people's feelings. You cannot do the work if you have to do that. So apparently, this is hilarious. So these DEI consultants were hired. So you're a consultant. That doesn't mean you're the, uh, uh, that doesn't mean you're actually an employee. They might've been uh, contractors. You know, a lot of times D- consultants are just contractors. You say, hey, do you want to be a consultant for a year? Here's a million dollars. So that's probably what these people were. And so they say, okay, you're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna promote this woman, this black woman. They're gonna bring her in as a DEI expert at Disney, and they're gonna give her a fancy office, and they're gonna have a, a press release about her, and they're gonna have a big write up about her, and they're gonna have her maybe even a, a corporate video made that she's gonna talk about all the changes and all the problems she sees at Disney, and and she's gonna talk about her qualifications, and she's a gender studies uh, professor at a you know Bumbleweed College, and. And she's going to come in here and teach us about structural feminism and intersectionality and LGBTQ, RST and everything else. And then uh, after, uh, you know, they have the meeting, they bring her in, the chairman of the board, you know, uh, introduces her and they all stand up and they're oh, you know, they give her, we're so glad you're here. We can't wait to see what you've done. We've been needing you for so long. And then after a while, you know, it dies down and. Suddenly, there's not as much talk about you anymore in the uh, in the headlines of the corporate newsletter. And then suddenly, before you know it, they say, "You know what? We're not going to renew your contract." And then you got to go back to Bumbleweed University. It says, uh, "Former NBC Universal Diversity Chair Paula Madison put it another way." So she's a former NBC Universal Diversity Chair. I'm not sure what she's doing now. In many instances, the person in these roles has no power. These DE officers, DEI officers are just treading water and sometimes they're drowning. These things are never designed to be successful. And I believe her. I believe her because I, I see right through it. And the people who signed on with these people should have seen it coming that they were not going to be really taken seriously, that they, they, were, they were being used more or less. Uh, they were being used by these white liberals, most likely, to feel better about themselves and... Um, to uh, to use them to make corporate uh, to make your corporate picture look better, basically to make your uh, to to give you a little bit of uh, good press in the times of trouble, and then once you are no longer useful, you're cast aside in true uh, in true fashion of a communist dictatorship, which cycles through people like that. I was listening to someone the other day; they were talking about how it was a it was a Dennis Prager. And he said that the, um, he said that the um, American left is basic. They're basically communist. American left are communist, and uh, there's no difference between American uh, communists. I'm sorry, between communists and the American left. And he was using an example is that he likes to read the New York Times and read the comments section. And there was a there was a section about speech and. It was a, I forgot what the what the uh, article was about, but anyway, someone made a comment and said that if it is, he's talking about limits of free speech, and the person made the comment that said, "You do not have the freedom of speech to yell fire in a crowded theater." This was part of a Supreme Court case talking about free speech, because it, it puts the uh, it puts the general public at at harm, and the risk to the general public 
weighed on your free speech, their their risk outweigh your free speech because when you're yelling fire in a crowded theater, when there is no fire, you're basically making a false claim and doing so endangers other people. Therefore, you do not have the freedom of speech to say that. And this individual is saying, why, if that is the case, aren't we allowed to say that the uh, free speech of people who make claims about COVID vaccines that are not that saying COVID vaccines aren't useful or that masking of children is not helpful. Why are they allowed to have free speech? And he and uh, Dennis Prager noted that, that that had the most comments or that comment had the most upvotes. He had like 600 thumbs ups for that. And he was just saying, look, this is a proof positive that the American left and the communists there, they work hand in glove. And like I've said, back to my point about this, this is what the communists are famous for doing is they're famous for using people until they're no longer useful and they cast them aside. Luckily, you're lucky in a communist uh, in a communist organization. If once you get cast aside, you're not also murdered. That's the key. Sometimes you're murdered before you're cast aside. That's how you're removed. You're murdered. So I guess the fact that these ladies were just uh, let go of their jobs is is showing that we're a little bit more advanced than the communists of old. Uh, because they weren't uh, removed from earth. They were just removed from their job. This will go for next week is about uh, Mayor Johnson pledges to doom Chicago by re-envisioning police. Uh, but we'll we'll save that for next week. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is Dr. Tommy's show. Go to drtommy.com slash podcast. Follow us live on Rumble and then follow us on any of the audio podcast platforms and uh, share it with a friend. We appreciate you listening. Until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye.